Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Yeah, hello! And today we're talking about Volume 6 of To Your Eternity. We are now halfway through the books that I've read so far, so that feels that, feel, oh. that feels good. A landmark. Yeah, for, for sure. And it's also a landmark. I feel like this book in itself is a landmark in a way because it kind of closes, in a way, the first major arc of the story, I guess you could say, sort of. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I, I guess you could say, I mean, I guess you could also say there's been three arcs, like the March arc, the Google arc, and the Tornari arc. Uh, but I I would also kind of say you could also combine those into one larger arc where, mm. you know, you have this because, you know, this book marked the end of uh, Piorin and yeah. it also kind of with this book and the previous one, it also kind of tied the Hayase story thing together that started in the beginning of it. That's true. So I guess in a sense, you could view these first six as kind of the beginning in in a, in a sense. So does Oima ever clarify her story arcs at all? I know sometimes uh, publishers and, and authors will say, okay, we're entering a new arc or we've just finished an arc. Has, has she said one way or the other? The only time I've ever, at least through the books, because I, I will say I'm not very invested in the fandom, like the community, hmm. like in this series, um, yeah. I'm very much a loner kind of in that well now i guess we were a duo now because we got each other for this. <laughs> but uh like before we started reading this together uh, like through the podcast i was very much like i didn't really talk to anyone about it however there is at least through the books and this isn't a spoiler i guess to say but there is in in one of the future books that, that we haven't gotten to yet in the podcast there is a sort of a arc shift announcement um, oh. in the actual book Interesting. And that's the only time that I can at least recall that in a, in a book. But we haven't actually seen that yet. But I still can personally at least consider uh, this kind of the end of an arc. Uh, but also divided into three parts there, three smaller arcs. Mm. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we get into the characters as usual. So starting with Fushi, for the first time, we actually got to see him create an empty husk of one of the human forms that he has acquired. Yeah. It's something he himself kind of speculated on in a previous volume. But in this one, we actually saw he created like just a limp body of the, the boy to, to fool Hayase. Yeah, it, it shows how smarter he's become in that sense. Mm. Um, you know, in using his powers, he's kind of experimenting in that way with what he can do mm -hmm. and it was it was really neat to see it was also really neat to see after he had used that once and then with the the hole in the ground he did it again and he he was kind of he's kind of cocky when he was talking to tonati after that yeah <laughs> he was cocky is one way but he was, i think he was also like fed up when he got out is if you're gonna trap me do it better like of course <laughs> i could get out of that it was, yeah. it was really funny it, uh, it is kind of a a new shade to his personality that mm -hmm. we really hadn't seen before. Kind of kind of sassy in a way. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's like don't underestimate my powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like yeah, before that he had given himself up willingly to Hayase because he felt confident in his ability to escape by himself. Yeah. And he did that in order to free the others, which was 
really nice and and i mean i don't know if if this side of him is potentially a little too cocky because i mean we don't know for sure or he or i guess he couldn't have known for sure if he would have been able to escape by himself yeah right ultimately he he did but but you know what if what if hayase would have locked him into like a a metal cage or or something mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be able to get out of or i, I don't know but but that, you know it, it worked out but I, I i'm thinking i'm just thinking that this new sassy cocky side of him which it's not it doesn't take over i'm not maybe overconfident mm-hmm. in yeah. that sense right right although i will say there were moments when maybe maybe it was more self-doubt than anything but mm. he kind of there there was still hesitation within him so he's not completely overly confident in in his abilities to save the day or save everybody absolutely so i i I guess it could be more that with himself he feels he's able to take care of it like he can take care of himself but when it comes to others around him that's where he feels insignificant or uh unable to do that i think that makes sense and building from the previous volume where we talked about how fushi Kind of his his arc throughout the previous volume was very much about not wanting to kill humans regardless kind of 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 their sins, but when he faced Hayase, he wanted to kill her in the previous volume. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in this book, he actually ends up not killing her in the end. You know, when they're on the boat, on their way away from from the island, and she kind of begged him to kill her, which. <laughs> I, I I want to say that he has gone through this arc kind of where he is able to for, not not forgive but he's able to not feel like he has to kill even her even though she killed two of the most important people to him he is now able to kind of control himself enough so that he doesn't want to kill her necessarily mm-hmm. so while I think that's a part of it I think another part of it was which was kind of touched on in that conversation by them is that if he does kill her, I think he's he's afraid of the possibility of him turning into her. And mm. that's not something he wants to do. I, I mean, I, he wouldn't want to take her shape. No, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, when you said turning into her, my first thought was, oh, like, you know, the master has replaced, or the, the pupil has replaced the master kind mm. of stuff. As as the first thought that came to me. And then I was like, oh, wait, Fushi can transform into people. <laughs> Sure can. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but you know, I, I think, I think it's true that last chapter or yeah, I keep saying chapter. Last volume, mm. he was caught up in the moment. Uh, Hayase really egged him on, and obviously she did some terribly evil stuff, or you know, just unforgivable things in this volume as well. Mm. But it was just in the heat of the moment, I think that urge to kill her, what one was new, but, you know, it was just so strong that I don't really blame him for having those feelings. Right. No, of course. Of course. And I think it makes sense for him to not do it, considering how much he values life at this point. So kudos to him to be to kind of control that that side of himself as well 
yeah. and, and stick to what he, I guess, believes in. But yeah, it's, it's interesting what would have happened, happened if he had killed her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I look forward to talking about her specifically later on, but right. But yeah. Although I, I wonder what, I guess with Fushi's powers, it, it doesn't really matter if he kills them. I mean, of course it doesn't matter if he kills them, right? Like, they just have to die, and if he has strong memories of them or something, mm. he can transform into them? Supposedly. Actually, I have a theory on that when we talk about the Beholder. All right. Um, Interesting. So let's, yeah, let's... I guess put that down for now gotcha gotcha right um i didn't actually take too much notes for fushi from the time on the island i think the rest of the stuff i have is from after he got off the island so if you have anything from kind of before the island related to him or like while on the island related to him then yeah sure go ahead yeah i just going i guess going back to his hesitation or well hesitation to kill people but all or, or things that look like people Mm, yeah right or once people true true. um but also his doubt that he can actually protect anybody yeah that i think was kind of reinforced a bit in these uh, last few chapters or while while on the island Mm. but i think him saving tonari and um i can't remember the boy's name sandal sandal yeah 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 Uh, i think i think that kind of gave him a little more confidence in that but yeah, yeah it, at the end of the day uh yeah, i think that is still a struggle he kind of is dealing with um that he can't save anybody maybe something that he struggles to accept maybe, maybe Pjorn's death helped him a little bit but i, I but I'm, I'm not quite sure mm. and then just again like, like i was saying his hesitation to kill the knockers that took on the forms of upa and mia and every and all of them you know it, it mm. It was it was a sad moment, but it needed to be done, and it's a shame that he couldn't he couldn't have put Upa to rest at that moment yeah. with Perona. Um, probably would have saved a lot of trouble potentially. But. Right, yeah, it is a shame, but you know we can't can't blame him. Like being in that situation must be incredibly stressful and and draining and just awful in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But it is still a big shame. But so is so is a lot of things in this in this story. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's kind of the tone of the story, I guess. Yeah. It's also really sad when he when he says he couldn't save them, and he's in Gugu's body or he's in Gugu's form. Mm. And it's just kind of a par- parallel to, you know, the person so important to him, like Gugu, and he you know he couldn't save them. Yeah. So it's I don't know. I thought that was a sad parallel. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He struggled with leaving Piorin after you know after he got off, and he he, he you know he went back and forth like, oh, I, I gotta write her a letter. Oh, I gotta give her a coat. Right. Oh, I gotta get her some food. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of cute to see him that way, but mm-hmm. it was also it was also kind of hard to like follow along with that struggle of his, because he he loves her, you know, she's family to him. Still, he feels like he had he felt like he had to distance himself from her because of how things are with the knockers right so it was it was really sad to see but i you know it made sense and 
I thought one of like this is a little bit of a funny thing, but like when he was watching her and she was being sort of abducted by this man who like wanted to bring her back to the island, uh-huh. uh, and she bonked him on the head and like she was fine. Uh, right. Fuji was looking at that like in hiding in his wolf form and just like his reaction to that like you can see yeah, like his so his funny. his face expression was like like kind of <laughs> derpy and surprised and like what <laughs> like she did oh, it's, that? it's like the surprised pikachu movie, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> but in wolf form yeah uh yeah uh-huh. I, I just I, I just thought that face was so funny hey that, that, that's <laughs> another thing we should make into an emoji on the discord server Hey, I like it. I eat that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wonders if he will be able to feel satisfaction in life like Pioran. That's very deep for him. You know, I guess a little step back. The beholder beholder says that he has kind of the mindset of a fourteen year old. Like that's that's the how much mental growth he's had. Right. Um, And I think for a fourteen year old, that I think that makes sense to be start thinking about that kind of thing. You know, will I have, when I grow older, will I have happiness in life? Will I have the things sufficient um, for comfort and, and things like that? You know, will I find satisfaction? Right. So I I think that gives his journey, his personal journey at this point, a little more meaning. Mm. Although I think the way this volume ends off, I don't know how well he's doing mentally, to be honest. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see in the next book yeah because i think that's a really good question that's difficult to answer right now right uh but yeah it will be fun to follow up on that later he learns that all humans eventually die from old age he learns that in this in this book which feels like a little little late to learn i feel like considering <laughs> he lived with for four years he lived like in a family with people yeah two of which were very old I, but i guess they just never talked about that yeah i mean I guess Pjorn was pushing 90, apparently, so mm, mm. maybe she didn't want to bring up death and everything, you know? Fair. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know. I, I, I guess, yeah, that's an interesting interesting thing that he wouldn't have, or why wouldn't he have picked it up, picked up on that before? Maybe just something, a concept that he just wasn't able to wrap his mind around. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, like... He hasn't necessarily noticed people getting, like, weaker through age, necessarily. That's true. Because both Boosman and Pjorn were already very old when he got to know them the first time. So over those the four years mm-hmm. he knew them, or four to five years, he, you know, it wouldn't have changed very much, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, Gugu definitely grew over the time right. he knew him. But in, in not not in any negative way. So I guess he never yeah really thought about that. I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. hmm. Um, but yeah, we talked earlier about how he feels guilt for like everybody's deaths and stuff like that, uh, and he also admit, admits to feeling lonely when he talks to the beholder, mm. which is also really sad. And it it you know I really started feeling that last or. In volume back in volume four, when he felt like he had to leave the the tower, you know, or you know his family after Gugu had mm-hmm. died, because that was when he, I think, for the first time, really came to the realization that I can't be around people that I care about because if I if I am, the knockers will come and there's a 
high risk of them dying. So I think ever since then, he's kind of had this struggle and he has been feeling lonely because of it. But at least it was nice to see him give Pioran his time, kind of, right for the last however long that was when they that they spent together before she died. Maybe a few weeks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unclear how long it ended up being, but hmm. I, I I do agree that it's sad that he he feels feels lonely, and I think because he'd had the companionship of so many other people before, to suddenly have that go away or at least be back to a point where he'd be all alone again i think that that wasn't obviously something he wanted so i think it was nice for him to at least spend as as however long pjorn had Mm. spend that time with her yeah and i think he will be really happy or he is really happy i'm sure that he did that you know that after all of the going back and forth of like trying to abandon her versus wanting deep down to be with her. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's very happy that he did stick around with her and spend all that time with her in the end. Agreed. Before she passed. Mm-hmm. Although I, I, I do think that it was good for him to experience that and everything, mm. but I wonder if her death and then his subsequent isolation or him being by himself supposedly right kind of messed with him with his head or put maybe put him in a bad spot like he like almost as if he's reverted back to the boy's attitude way back in chapter one Mm. where he was all smiley and almost stupidly positive about situations right and while while we while we said that was very at least I, I remember I remember me personally saying like wow you know, I really appreciate his positive attitude yeah I think you brought up the fact that while it is while it is true that he's positive it's still you know it, he I, I, I think I don't know if it really comes from a healthy place or you were saying you were mentioning like he's still positive but obviously he's he's struggling with what's going on right and I think it could this could be something similar where he's just laughing things off mm. as if it's not that big of a deal or I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into this. Maybe he's just become this lackadaisical kind of guy who laid back and just <laughs> say, Hey man, life's life. You know, <laughs> like knockers knock you back down. Like, you just get back up. Like, <laughs> it's totally good. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it may, maybe the Island or the, the coast life has gotten to him. I don't know. I just, for me, to see him kind of struggle with Pjorn's death and then just kind of laugh it off, mm. I don't know. It just seems a little off. But maybe maybe, I am reading it wrong, and if I see it animated, I'll get a better picture of it. Because, again, I do think Pjorn left him with a good message, you know, doing what you want and... Mm. Live free. Finding satisfaction in life. Live free. Mm. So I think that was a great message for her to leave, uh, leave, leave. But, you know, part of me just still wonders if there's some kind of depression or kind of sadness in Fushi right now hmm. to do, to deal with loneliness or um, separation right. anxiety. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. Like, not only Gugu, but also Piorina, who was with him 
for longer than anyone ever was. Yeah. And, you know, experiencing the death of a mentor Mm -hmm. like her, who also was very much family, like that, that is really rough. But I thought it was really nice to see that he, you know, while he was spending his days with her at the end there, Mm -hmm. he started to also like take notes of important things so that he wouldn't forget Mm -hmm. them. Just like we know that, you know, back in volume like three, I think, uh, it was implied that she also did that. So that's that's something pretty cool that he picked up from her. And, but he had his own cool little twist on it that he just burnt the papers afterward because he would be able to recreate them later anyway. (laughs) So that's pretty smart. Uh, But yeah, that is pretty neat. mm, Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And like at the end, yeah, there, as we have talked a little bit about, he's just kind of chilling and killing knockers by the coast. And, uh, the beholder says it's a few years later, but it looks like it's more than a few. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking like ten years maybe. At least, yeah. At least. <laughs> like yeah. honestly, when I first saw the guy, I was like, "Who's this? Who's this man?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is, I I I I had to like go back and forth between like the last page where you see a close up of mm-hmm. uh, Fuji's face and just like go back and forth. Is this the same man? I don't. <laughs> It it is him, right? It is him. Okay, okay. That man. Wow, what a time skip. <laughs> yeah. Um and he hasn't changed in what we presume at least to be 10 years. Mm. Wow. Like you yeah. know, hasn't yeah, hasn't transformed at all. Right, right. Supposedly. Mm. Then anything more on Fuji? I don't think I have anything else. All right, then let's talk about Tonari. Okay. So she woke up from the Western Morning Glory after just a couple of minutes on the boat. Yeah, what the heck? We talked about this last time, about how, how she woke up sooner than the others. Uh-huh. And, although it wasn't ever really like made into a thing in the first book or in the previous book. But here it's, 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 it's explicitly explained and like they, they make a point out of it. She woke up five minutes before the others and... or, or No, she woke up after five minutes while the others were yeah. still, probably would be sleeping for two hours. And... Also, she woke up while Hayase was holding her over the edge, which worked to their advantage. Because mm-hmm. Hayase wasn't expecting that, obviously. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, how come? Yeah. How come that's a thing? <laughs> I mean, what did she eat Western Morning Glory as a kid and just just is immune to the long term effects of it? Like, I I really <laughs> don't know. Huh. But what? Mm. How would how would one be able to just wake up from that? I don't know. Yeah, she, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Maybe we'll find out at some point. Well, hopefully. I mean, here's the thing: Tonati's not dead yet. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and so she's, I, I think she's got to come back to the story. But we'll we'll get back we'll get to that towards the end or towards the end of her discussion, I think. But mm-hmm. um, that's definitely a a point a plot point that I think needs to be touched on again. Absolutely. Just, you know, why was that a thing? Definitely, yeah. Especially since it's been, it was hinted at in, in Volume 5 and it was brought up more into the spotlight in this one, but we still don't have an explanation. I'm also definitely expecting an explanation to it. Cool. Uh, so, yeah. And she went back to save Fushi and everyone on the boat, you know, from the boat and everyone there was like really helpful, you know, helping her yeah. escape back to the island. That was so awesome to see. And her friends also made it back to the island a little later to help her out. So that was awesome. 
I mean, it mm-hmm. didn't it didn't end up awesome, but hey, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they made they made the choice. They you know as yes, I think the beholder has said before. Yeah, in a way, humans choose when they die. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a broad look on it, and you know, doesn't really get into this, to the, into the specifics of things. I don't mm. think people choose when to have cancer. <laughs> Mm. or not well i i think when he talks about that it's always in those specific situations when a person right puts themselves in a dangerous situation where there's a chance of them yeah. dying exactly mm. so you know these twinati and her friends knew that d- death could have been possible probably but they wanted to be there for each other so yeah right we really like that that yeah it's so so nice and so actually talking about twinati First off, I, 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 it's nice that she's able to relate more with Fushi after seeing his anger towards Hayase. Yeah. And she and she kind of feels a connection in that way. If he could feel that, then maybe he's more human than I thought. And maybe I'm more human than I thought. Because I, I, I think that she struggled with her own thoughts, it, how she views the people on the island as basically just trash. Yeah, and to an extent, I, I I totally understand where she's coming from. You know, some of the some of these people are just murderous psychopaths. Mm. Um, but I think also she felt disgusted that she wanted them all to just die, and so maybe she was looking for sympathy or an ally in in some cases. That even, especially in someone like Fushi, who is so pro life and reaching the, his hand out to prisoners and stuff like that, um, to see him have that desire to kill someone, I guess was um, maybe even comforting for her at first. Mm. But eventually I think she does learn that maybe that mindset is not correct, may not be the right word, but uh, applicable to each situation. Right. And uh, I think she does grow in watching Fusi's example. Absolutely. She used this coping mechanism where she, you know, in her head, she essentially kills the people that she doesn't like or the people that she deems are, well, bad people, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I understand that. Having spent half of her life, I think it is technically on that island. And that's like from seven to 14. That is like pretty much pretty much all your life. Because yeah. you aren't a lot before you're seven, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know. So having had that the life that she's had, I I feel like you know she could have turned out way way worse. True. <laughs> as yeah. A person. I mean, right? She could have been a murderer herself. Exactly. So for for this to be who she is and how she is, you know, she she's a wonderful wonderful character and. And she shouldn't feel bad about having those thoughts. Yeah. Uh, especially since really the people that she thinks so badly about are people who have committed bad sins. Uh, but she does also have that very nice character growth, as as you said, and and as you like, mm-hmm. she learns from from Fushi, no doubt. You know, because when she and Sandal decides to stay behind on the isle- on the island afterwards, she wants to make it a place where criminals can become better people 
essentially. Right. So she doesn't really wish for their for them to die because of their sins anymore, but she wants to help them and to make them into good people as far as that goes, I suppose. So I think that's a really beautiful change of heart. I think so. And and it kind of well you know, it kind of aligns with my own philosophy in life is that everybody can change. I think change is very much a part of human life. Mm. While some change may be more difficult than others, it is possible. Yeah. And some and sometimes can be for good, you know, for until to the person dies, they they just are a different person. Mm-hmm. I I f- fully believe that is possible. Anybody who says that they can't change is either not trying hard enough or they don't want to. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think here we see Tonati kind of realize that that she can be the one one well she changes herself, but also she can be the the hand that helps other people mm. realize that they can change. For sure. And, I, you know, I think this is something that Yoshitoki Oima herself believes in very strongly as well, not only because of how she depicts it in this story, but also, you know, if we take a look at the manga she wrote before this, A Silent Voice, True. that's also largely about how people can better themselves and redeem themselves and become better people. You know, I should really read that. Oh, are we going to... Oh yeah, never mind. Sorry, we we, we might. We talked about we, we might. I, I don't remember. <laughs> we we have touched on it off recording a little bit, and I guess we can talk about it slightly here. Yes, we have talked about maybe covering that manga on Imami manga eventually. I mean, we could take it out. I I, or, I mean, wait. Well, no, you're the one who's. I mean, this. I don't <laughs> mind. Yeah, I'm I'm the one saying this, and I I still feel like at least I would personally do that because I that's a manga that I would like uh, be happy to talk about. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, as I was saying, yeah, like it's something that, that I think, yeah, the author, the mangaka here, uh, I think she strongly believes in that as well, based on it, the fact that it's prominent in both of her uh, bigger manga series. Indeed. So something else that I took from Tonati this volume is the line. Well, let me let me say two things. One, mm-hmm. it's her dream changes. So before her dream was for her dad to read her masterpiece. Well, not just her dad. I think her parents to read her masterpiece, right? Yeah. That was her dream. Mm-hmm. Well, she actually literally dreams about it. And then she decides then and there to move on, I think, to move on from her parents that, you know, they're both dead at this point. And to keep holding on to that dream, I guess, in her mind was folly. Mm. Um, so she decided to make a new dream and, and I guess write about it. Yeah. And that was just spending time with her new family on an, you know, on an island somewhere, just, just the people that are close to her. So mm-hmm. that, w- that was nice for her to have a new dream. And unfortunately you, you make a new dream or you have a dream in this manga and, um, <laughs> it doesn't really come true or it, it comes true in, in certain ways, I guess. Um, right <laughs> but it was really nice to see to see that new dream of hers just kind of yeah. free from all of the cruelty and hostility that's been right. well that, that she's been raced with it was really nice to see that little little glimpse it really was and, and i hope she's able to maybe even create a situation like that on the island although that's yeah. probably a lot harder said than done oh yeah true. Consider, i mean considering you get <laughs> all sorts of criminals coming to the island. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that I took away from this is a little more speculative 
yeah. speculative and theorizing, so bear with me. Yes, yes. It's when she says, I want him to be in my future. Oh, yeah. So when I read that, I was like, whoa, was that a hint of romance? <laughs> what? Uh-huh. So, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe I'm overthinking this. <laughs> and then she started like blushing at what Fushi was saying. It mm-hmm. went on top of the, above the hole that Fushi was in and Fushi find, finds her. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait, what is going on? It, it, how, really? And <laughs> could there actually be feelings there? However, it could just be Tonari is was just embarrassed by what Fushi was saying at the moment. You know, mm. like, oh, you you came to protect me, the immortal being? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> and, and maybe she was embarrassed by that a little bit. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. Like <laughs> something I it, it it also ties into the very end of of like Tonati's story there where she sends the owl towards him. She she basically does it not only to watch over Fushi, but to be a beacon for her to eventually find him. At right. least that's what she says. Yeah. So, I mean, look, they could just be like the greatest of friends, and that's totally fine. But it also seems very romantic. <laughs> yeah. Well, very is the wrong word. Slightly romantic. Right, that's yeah. A, 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 like, there could be that sort of undertone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I... I would lie if I'd said if I if I said I didn't see this too. Uh, okay. Like I, I definitely think there's like you know yeah these, these small little hints and I also get the feeling that well, Tonari at least gives me some little a little bit of a Tsundere vibes in some instances. Uh, at mm, least yeah. At least if mm. we go under the assumption that the blushing is because of romantic affection but -hmm. there's no words kind of about it that's like one little thing i guess that Mm. points toward that but also her very last words that are directly to him when she shouts out like as he's uh, rowing out with a boat and she shouts out fushi i think i might come see you sometime maybe (laughs) (laughs) it's not like i want to baka (laughs) exactly that's that's the vibe i got from that (laughs) well I'm really glad I I'm not the only one in this potential delusion. But I don't know. Like I and honestly, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, I I do want I would want to see more of interaction between them hmm. um, before I could like completely ship it in a way. Right, for sure. If ever, like I, for some reason, part of me kind of struggles with shipping Fushi with anybody at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? Because he is technically still lending somebody's body so it's like yeah. it is it makes things maybe a bit complicated when it comes to stuff like that yeah uh, but hey they are at least fushi is uh considered a 14 year old according to the right the, the beholder and tanari is also 14 and hey the boy's body might also be about 14 um that's yeah mm-hmm. at least around. although not, not not anymore well oh yeah no <laughs> right true not, not anymore <laughs> but neither is tonari i mean if it's been if it's in at least 20 or not 20 10 years mm. at least for sure and she's obviously grown up too so absolutely i don't know mm. it, it's it could be an interesting plot point mm. in the future or she can just pull a perota and just kill her off screen you never know and i will be really mad at oima mm-hmm. i will be oima <laughs> uh, I, you can't do that two times. That 
you know, baseball is three times you're out. Here it's two times. It's two times. If you do this again, there will be anger. Uh, uh, yeah, you you can't get attached to anyone in this in this series. That's uh. But I. But hard. that's my problem. Is <laughs> if it's a good story, I get attached to people. I know. Me too. And that's the thing. She's a fantastic storyteller. Yeah. But still, she does this to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cruel. Mm, I love it, though. No, no. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I love the way it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, well, so back into Tonaria, but... She, I thought it was really nice to see, or to kind of follow along with her narration throughout the volume a bit. Uh, the first time that we got that here, it, I, 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 at first I thought it was the narrator, the beholder, uh, but uh, the, this, the, the boxes, the, like the text boxes were a bit different, like they looked more like paper. So I understood soon enough that it was like from her journal. So, uh, which which part is this? Sorry. I think the first time was when she was leaving the boat. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And it happens one, one or two times later as well. Uh, but it's... Right. I think once you've understood that it's her, you can you can notice that easier the later times as well. Totally. But, but I thought that was a nice change of pace to get, to get her point of view on that. I really want to know what... I mean, it seems like she's writing a journal, but is she also writing a novel at the same time like yeah like an autobiography maybe oh maybe 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 but yeah like essentially a, a diary i think near the end she was prepared to give her life to kill hayase mm. and kind of sacrifice herself doing that which i thought was a really powerful moment like i the first time i read this book i definitely thought that she and hayase were both going to die there Really? Well, j- just based on the fact that every second book, like uh-huh. in, in, in book two and four, we had major characters that we loved die. And following that pattern, book six would be the next one. So with that in mind, I I was I was convinced that she would die there mm. and probably kill Hayase with her. Okay. Uh, my, the first yeah. time I read this. <laughs> right. I, I don't, and I, and I, that makes sense. I don't blame you. For some reason, when I was, I think it was because I was in denial. Because I, I didn't want Tonari to leave. Yeah. Kind of like how you know how she went away went away from the story anyway. But I I, I still wanted more of Tonari. Mm. Uh, and so when that was happening, and she was having this long monologue, I was reminded of when Gugu kind of had that long monologue when he was with Fushi in, in his tent. You remember mm. that? Right. It was yeah. kind of like it's kind of a fake out death there. Yeah. And so that so that I was thinking just at that moment is like. Is this another one? This has got to be one of those moments, right? And I guess I guess it ended up being like that. Ah. But it would have been an interesting, or it would have been a noble sacrifice. But oh, yeah. I, I still think you you can't you can't quickly kill off characters like that. It, you know, every time I, <laughs> and have a successful story. I, I, yeah, it, it would just get too repetitive. I think, right? I, I absolutely, I definitely agree. So I was really happy that she didn't go that route. With, yeah, with this for one. sure. Like I, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that for that choice. And you know, I'm just happy to see Tonari alive at the end of this book. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for mm. sure. Yeah. So and. I guess actually now I, I'd like to touch a little bit on her friends because I, I feel like we can talk about them in her in, in Tonari's section. Sure. 
they faced some very tragic ends. Indeed. As we mentioned, Upa earlier, she was turned into a knocker zombie, and uh. she stabbed Mia in the gut, mm-hmm. which would eventually lead to her death. And and poor Uroi ended up cutting his arm off because it was like infested with a knocker. And like, uh, it's uh, it was really really sad to see. I sort of wish we could, we would have like maybe had maybe could have had a little more time maybe to get to know these yeah although i thought it was mm-hmm. based on how little we did know them i thought it was still it was still pretty impactful i thought yeah true i think they had noble deaths i think they had enough in the story for us to care about them dying yeah i wasn't devastated that they died um they will be missed oh yes but I like their characters, and mm. it, it was sad to to see them go, especially from the viewpoint of Tonari yeah. and how important they were to her mm-hmm. and, and and to Fushi to an extent. Right. Yeah, like, I was a little bit surprised by myself because I did end up tearing up a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, at their, like, I think, I think it was especially, like, after the fact, like, after after the kind of the climax when they their dead bodies were just laying on the ground and uh, and Tonari was like explaining why they were so important to her yeah that i thought that was really powerful that's yeah that was pretty powerful hmm. you know i think i actually said in the previous volume that these guys would die <laughs> you may have <laughs> i think i did yeah <laughs> uh, i i can't remember for sure though i'll have to go back and listen but right. anyway it's <laughs> But like you said, you know, death and losing beloved ones is just so common in this series. It seems like that. Yeah. You can you can you can guess anybody's death. And, True. <laughs> and be right almost, you know, fifty percent of the time. Yeah, like yeah, legit. Uh, Tonari and Sandal survived this book though, so that was okay. That was nice. So so it is nice, but Sandal surviving. That's. That's a surprising one. If anybody were to survive, I, I would think it'd be like Upa or some, or you know, it, <laughs> so if it, it felt it felt like Sandals was not very prominent even even in the previous volume. In this volume, once once he kind of was with Tonari, he obviously had more of a role. Hmm. But if it felt like it, it was the other guys who were taking that had more more lines, had had more conversations. Yeah. So it's just like, wait, where, where have you been this whole time? <laughs> I I agree. He has. He's definitely the one that sticks out the least. I think in that whole group. Yeah, uh, but, he really does. But but you know, he he's sweet. I guess you know, <laughs> from what we've seen. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting. He's not super memorable. It's true. Do you have anything more on Tonari? I have one final thing that I figured I would end this with. But if you have anything more, please go ahead with that. Yeah, it was smart of her to bring up that corpse attract evil things and kind of kind of get that mindset into people that if you keep killing we're you know we're going to get these these monsters coming back so let's not kill anybody whether or not that's true i mean i don't i I don't think that's necessarily true but i think that's what what she was implying or like why she said said that and hopefully that kind of mentality will stick with the people of the island yeah they'll be less willing to murder for sure yeah that actually I, for some reason i didn't put together that when she 
like like that she meant it literally uh like as but, but i think even though she might not like she probably doesn't believe that that's the case but to, to, but right. still to use that as i guess propaganda in a sense yeah. although this is good propaganda uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh to, is really smart and i think it's very possible that she actually did that i just didn't personally think of it that way when she said that because when i guess the way i interpreted that was more like just in a figurative sense how doing bad things will uh, like kind of a karma thing like doing bad things will get you in bad situations in some sense mm-hmm. uh, but i definitely like this interpretation as well i think i think it makes a lot of sense uh, given the situation i mean i i could i could be wrong i i, I may have read it wrong but at the very at the very least uh, i think that she wants or she wants to try to help uh, change the people, the, the people's mindset, as she was saying. Mm. So I understand why she wants to stay, but she also said she wanted Fushi to be in her future. So it's like, yeah. it seems like that's contradic- contradictory. But I am glad that she decided to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been great. I think it would have been good for Fushi to have her around, just maybe to help with loneliness. Um, but at the same time, I think it was important for her character and for the island people to have uh, her there and kind of be in a way a helper an instructor on um, getting the island back on track or in a better place she was named island leader by Hayase after Hayase won the tournament she she made her the leader so technically she is the leader at least by the time Fuji leaves the island good point Uh, yeah anything more that's it. Gotcha. Then I have one final thing, which was probably just in the physical book, I assume, because it was like a between chapters thing. Okay. Uh, there was, well, it was actually like on two sides of the same paper between the chapters. Like on, on the first side, there was a very short little letter from Nand to Tonari. Nand is the, the guy that Fuji fought in the tournament who had a younger brother. That guy sent Tonari a letter a very brief one, just kind of asking, like, how's, how are things going on the island, basically. Huh. And then on the other side of that page is Tonari's response to Nand, where she explains that the island has become much friendlier since the knocker attacked, and so things are looking up, generally. That's good. And actually addressing what you said earlier about how it's a little bit contradictory of her to stay behind on the island while still wanting Fushi in her future. She said something like, I think I'll stick around on the island for maybe at least another 15 years. Whoa. I think she said something like that uh, in this letter. Hmm. And what I thought was the most interesting thing was kind of how she, what she mentioned close to the end of this letter, where she said that a new religion of sorts has started forming on the island called Immortalism. Oh my. Where they're more or less kind of praising Fushi. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. yeah, and Hayase's guardians that are still on the island are kind of fanning those flames, especially, it seems. Hmm. And also they seem to want Tonari's diary. Uh, they, they want to get their hands on that. And use oh, it. I, I'm, I'm assuming they want to use it as like a holy text of sorts. Wow, this letter is very juicy. <laughs> very, yeah. But I, th- these were, I, I would say, the the crucial parts of it. So, yeah, that that's very interesting. <laughs> hmm. 
Interesting indeed. I, you know, I wonder if just me speculating now, and obviously you don't have to confirm. Uh-huh. It makes sense to me if eventually in the story you get some sort of you know religious group that kind of worships Fushi's immortality. Yeah. Um, in some aspect, I, I mean, it would make sense if it came from that island, or if it, or if it, or if it came from the Yanome themselves. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's not. It's not really specified in the letter exactly how it arose on the island. If the if it was the anime guards who brought it there, or if it arose originally from there, we don't really know. Like, is that is that something you just bring off in or bring up in a you know a page a, a, an extra page in a volume? Yeah, it's and interesting. Never, and then never bring it up again, or. <laughs> Is it a hint at something? I I wonder. Like mm. I think I personally think it's got to be a hint, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at some sort of like story thing. Yeah, because it seems very much like world building. Like it's yeah, going to yeah. affect the story potentially at some point, going mm-hmm. like moving forward. And I think that would be really interesting because yeah, as you said, like it makes a lot of sense if if an individual like Fushi exists in a world. Then yeah, I I you know it's not a stretch to to think that people will start worshiping this person, uh, in in a religious manner. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, very interesting. Any other thoughts on Tonari or on this? Fifteen years. Uh, that's. Oh yeah. That's very specific. <laughs> yeah she yeah let me let me just double check that real quick. Um, She'd be like twenty nine. Or maybe well, depending on when the letter is written, maybe even thirty. Exactly, it's not implied exactly when the letter is written, but it's implied at least that that she's still a child because she, refer, she she refers to the adults as the adults. Okay. Implying that she's not one of them yet. <laughs> uh, that that that's all I know as far as like when the letter when the letter was written. Interesting. But yes, she does say, um, "I think I'll be here for fifteen more years or so." I hope. Nothing happens in those fifteen years, and well, you know, I mean, mm. that she, nothing meaning, you know, she doesn't die in those fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly she she is, uh, you know, keeping in touch with Nand, f- somewhat frequently because she ends her letter by saying, "If you stop receiving letters from me, just assume they killed me." And I think oh by they here she she refers to highest the highest guardians, the Yanome people, because she mentioned them. Uh, the last thing in the paragraph before that. Yeah. So. Well, that doesn't give me <laughs> much happiness. Okay. So I'm excited to see to see what comes of this. Indeed. So moving on to, man, we've only talked about two people so far. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next one, Pioran. So. Okay. While, while Fuji was trying to distance himself from her, uh, you know, after they got off the island, he took note of like that she hadn't smiled at all during the time that the two of them had been apart. Uh, but the moment that she found him again, like that that smile on her face was, I thought it was it it was really touching to me, just seeing how happy she was to see Fushi again, and also the fact that she actually recognized him despite his disguise in that moment. That's true. Was really cool. I think it's. <laughs> Who else would be out here in the forest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. She she's such a wise old woman. Like I, I, I love I love 
like she is like one of my favorite mentor like wise old person character in any story like definitely up there like one of my favorites yeah she's a good character um it, it's too bad she, I, I guess she was getting alzheimer's as they were going yeah on something like that at least yeah something like that mm-hmm. it, yeah that was that was that was hard to see but i guess fushi again like we were saying fushi's experiencing a a person who is dying who is you know leading up to their deathbed mm. and i think that was important for him to experience true true but yeah yeah like i agree it was really sad to kind of see her losing herself gradually like that um mm-hmm. but like right kind of before her death her mind cleared up for a moment that allowed her to make that deal with the beholder yeah that whole scene mm what (laughs) (laughs) really interesting stuff uh i i I think first of all i think it i i can't like give you a source or anything like that so don't quote me on this but i do Mm -hmm. think it does occur uh that like it's not unheard of for people with dementia or alzheimer's or like things like that to sort of clear up in their heads moments before their death like, I, I think I've heard mm. of that happening, like, IRL. So, that, I, I thought that was a nice little detail in this in this story here. But also, yeah, like, that, that whole interaction between her and the Beholder was really fascinating. Because we've never seen anything like that before, obviously, in the story. Right. And how she was able to get her wish granted by him to be reborn as something that would be useful to Fushi in the future. Really interesting. Yeah, she got a couple wishes because she asked, or Fushi asked her, what would you want or what's your wish or something like that or mm-hmm. your dream? And she said to be young again. Yeah. Um, and so she get, she did get that in a sense, just like March and Gugu and all them mm-hmm. got, got little visions of their dreams before they, they were accepted into Fushi. And that's where my theory comes in because she asked to be useful to Fushi and obviously the man in black eventually or the beholder eventually complies. Hmm. But what is that? Like what, what did she become? And I think potentially she became one with Fushi and that's how she, it will be useful to him. And he just doesn't, either he doesn't realize that Huh. Or, you know, he just doesn't acknowledge that fact that he can turn into Pioran. And this goes into my theory about about the Beholder in that what if with each of these deaths or each of these forms that Fushi can take, there is a moment where the Beholder is literally adding them into Fushi hmm. um, in some manner. Interesting. And, the, and for the first time, we see the Beholder adding something to, to Fushi. Ah, I see what you mean. That's a really interesting theory. I wonder, though... But please, please clarify, like, because I have no idea what is happening here. <laughs> right. No, of course, of course. And, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to say too much. Spoil things. Like, I, I want to okay. keep it, I mean, I guess, you know, at, at the level that I think I was at when I, when I read this the first time. But, mm-hmm. basically, I wonder if your speculation is, is right here, then... That would basically mean that this is the same thing that everyone 
that he has gained the form of before, like it, it's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. If I understood, yeah. if I understood you right, yeah. Which would That's mean right? Which would mean that Gugu would gain Piorin's old woman form, huh? Right? If he would gain her form, then he would gain her old woman form. Oh, oh, oh! Fushi, you mean Fushi would gain? Oh, did I his, say Gugu? Her... Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Oh, 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 oh. I'm so. Oh, oh. I'm so... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I kind of rewinded my mind there. Like, oh my god, did I say Gugu? Okay, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Fushi, of course. Um. Yeah. I. I, I think it's definitely. It's got to be the old wo- wound form because that's the form we see kind of morphing. It would be interesting yeah. if she if Fushi got younger Piorin, but one he has never seen younger Piorin. Yeah. And. That, that seemed to be more like a, a dream, just like adult March. For sure, for sure. So I, it would have to be older Piorin. Right, which I think also makes sense if, if that's the case. Uh, but I was wondering, like, how would that be of use to mm. Fushi? Because Piorin was very specific about wanting to be useful to him. And True. how much use would she be if he, if, you know, if she would give him that form? That form can't do mm-hmm. very much. It's like a ninety-year-old, old woman who is basically senile. Mm-hmm. I good point. Yeah, good point. It it's an interesting thought though, and I mean maybe there's more to it than we are able to talk about right now. Mm. Like maybe you are onto something, but I think based on the interaction between Piorin and the Beholder, I feel like it's mm-hmm. something different. I feel like it's something that's not the same as everybody else's uh, passing away. Gotcha. So it's unique. Some, somehow. Okay. I th- okay. think. I think. I will say that another thought I did have was more of, more of I guess, something that's that's even harder to <laughs> accept. Mm-hmm. Like if she became the same material as Fushi itself, but not part of Fushi, but then how would that be useful? Like wh- when would that become part? I... Huh. <laughs> I don't know. That that one's a little weird. Like I don't know why she. It it was just it was just strange seeing the ball, and then her kind of dissolving or morphing in the way that she did. Yeah. And not seeing her in any new light or any new form other than I guess young, Piorin. So is it where where is the usefulness? Where is the the new tool for Fushi, if anything? Right. Yeah. It's like I guess. The way I see that right now, at least, is that her being young in that moment, first of all, it was really nice to see what she looked like when she was young. Uh, but but I think it, it was, as you said, like similar to the other characters that died. It's kind of like, right. well, their their dream in a sense. Yeah. And then when the Beholder took her, kind of, and she became who she was when she died, and she essentially was taken in by him in a way. I think I view that as, well, as him taking her and to maybe then place her soul elsewhere. Basically just okay. taking her away from that dream and then he's going to go somewhere and put and place her soul somewhere where he thinks it will be useful to Fushi, I suppose. Um, That's actually not a bad bad thought. I mean, I, again, I don't know all of Beholder's powers, but... If he's able to capture a soul, hmm. then he's probably able to put it somewhere else, potentially. Right. So maybe Bjorn will be reincarnated as 
another another person or even right. an animal. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know how any of us will be able to be like, oh, hey, look, that's pure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless, yeah. Unless the beholder is all like, oh, hey, by the way, Fushi, you, you see that? <laughs> Does it look familiar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that is potentially eventually um, followed up on. Yeah. So, anything more on Pjorn? No. Then let's talk about Hayase. She is indeed in love with Fushi, as we... Be gone, thought! <laughs> I know you were hesitant to admit that or to kind of suggest that last time, the yeah. fact that she might have been in love with him, but turns out that she is. She was very really much. Really interesting. I mean, it was love at first sight. Like, holy crap. <laughs> Supposedly, yeah. And and I think based on also like going along, going along with the idea that she's in love with him, based on the cover of Volume 5, which we talked about last time, and also based on her attempts in the previous book and in this one. Attempted rape? Yeah. Yeah. Based on all of that. I think it's also kind of safe to assume that she wanted Fushi to impregnate her. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And yeah, right. In addition to in addition to being in love with him, she wanted his child. So no, she so she keeps using the term love, and it's like, oh, you you don't know love. I'll I'll t- I'll tell you. Uh, I'll teach you. Yeah. As she says on the boat. Right. You know, she was she was still going for it. Even it's like I don't care where it doesn't matter as long as we get it. <laughs> you know I. So to me, it's like this isn't love. This is just lust at this point. Mm. And there's a difference. But then again, she did. But then she brought up the fact that she, she had loved him ever since that moment. And one of the reasons she claims that March and Perona died was, was because that they were in the way or that they, uh, of their love. I guess it, yeah. it seems like she was implying. Uh-huh. To me. It do- it didn't feel like that in the first two volumes. It felt more like, obviously, she wanted Fushi for various means, and, and maybe there was a love there or some sort of lust. But it it just seemed like they were they were just deaths that that happened because they were in the way, like they were in the way of some sort of a objective, not love rivals or something like that. You know? Yeah. But maybe she there was there was a screw loose when the bear attacked. Mm-hmm. And th- then she just kind of went nuts. But again, I think I think I, I know what you're gonna say it's it's hard to say <laughs> if anything changed, um, or if this is how she was the whole time. Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess I'll just in speculation there. Right. No, but it, it's interesting because I mean I, I agree I agree with all of what you said there, and I think it's very possible that maybe it was the interaction. Or the, well, the action she got when Fushi became the bear and attacked her, that maybe that kind of gave her a new uh, a new view of him, potentially. <laughs> uh, or it's something that's arisen after the fact, like after Volume 2. Something that's happened over the years while they've been apart. That, like, kind of her fantasies of him have become yeah. something that she's fallen in love with, possibly. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Se- separation makes the heart grows longer, or grows fonder, or whatever, whatever yeah. the term is. Yeah, yeah, right? Maybe something like that. <laughs> I still don't understand why she fell in love or even 
if if the theory that we have is true that she wanted a, a child like Fushi's child, mm. why uh, was was there a hidden a, a hidden meaning behind that? Did she want a part of Fushi's immortality? I don't I don't know. Like it seems to me to me there it wasn't completely clear no on her objectives not that it needed to be I, I i'm pretty satisfied with her with her story right now right i think yes with a character as warped as she is it is hard to really see kind of how she feels like for real right but i think i am going to choose to think at least right now that her love for Fushi maybe actually is real. Uh, okay. Even though she is such a twisted person, mm-hmm. I think it's still, you know, it's still possible for her to love and to feel true love. And I th- <laughs> think, well, the fact that... <laughs> uh, true love. Yeah, this is a little insight of... True love. Anyone who has been listening to our Kaguya-sama discussions. <laughs> it's real. It's real, folks. The word has become a meme at this point for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think I, th- I do think that's a very good possibility because I think she's, she's not a... She's not dumb. No. And I think she's smart enough to understand that just because she would have a child with him, that wouldn't give her immortality. I, I don't think that's something that she would assume. I agree with that, but also that's not exactly what I was implying. I, I was implying that the chi- her child would have, mm. potentially have immortality. Mm. I mean, right, we, yeah. we don't know unless it happens. Yeah, but yeah. I I think just thinking of potential you know uses that could have, if yeah. you say I... I I'm the wife of an immortal being, and my child is our offspring. So worship him. Mm, fair. You know, it, yeah, that could be pretty beneficial in a twisted world. For sure. However, I am I am agreeing with you that I do think there these feelings, however warped, are genuine or genuine. Yes. <laughs> I guess yes. there's two pronunciations on that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that we see that when you know. She she believes solely that she that she's being kind to him, and that mm. you know oh I'm I if Fushi needs me and I I'm offering these amazing things for him, and so he has to love me or or, or some, something along those lines. It, it seemed very it, it seems very well warred, but also like she's trying to come from a good place. It, yeah, does it make sense? What I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, do- totally. Because especially since last volume, we even talked about how. In her speech to all the people in the arena after she beat Fuji, like there were some kind of good things in what she said. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it wasn't purely like evil. She's so evil. It, was, right. it wasn't purely like that. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> she had. She she made some good points. And while I think we can both agree that she is a bad person overall, but yeah, like based on that, based on the fact that. I, I, I don't know. Based on all of the things that we have seen of her since she returned in the previous volume, I do think there is good reason to assume her love for Fushi is real. So yeah. it's it's uh, it's interesting. But another thing I thought was really interesting with her this volume was her very fascinating interaction of sorts that she had with 
the knocker that was trying to enter her arm. Mm, yeah, that was really interesting. The knocker was like half inside of her at that point. And she was talking to it mm-hmm. and like kind of th- feeling like, yeah, we, we have we have somewhat of a common goal. But you guys are going about it like really bad. You should do you, you should do it more like like I'm doing it. And like it, it, it kind of had it, it you made must me be kind like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Lol. <laughs> Oh, that was that was good. That's hilarious. Yeah, good good one, Hayase. Um, but that scene felt to me a bit like two villains in a story that are kind of coming together, kind of uniting against the hero. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was disturbing too, seeing her arm that like that with like that whole like big like uh, yeah bulge bulge. Yeah, it was it was disturbing imagery and also somewhat disturbing monologue or dialogue well it was a monologue because she wasn't getting any responses but yeah but like her well, what she was saying to to that knocker ultimately she ripped it out but a stray knocker appeared on her boat after fushi left her yeah and supposedly attacked her somehow and then there was a page later on where we saw that she had been able to get to land we just saw her arm like some some guy on the beach had taken her in and like, what's up with that? I have theories. I have thoughts. Yes, I'm very interested in these about in these. that whole things. Yes, but I wonder if I should save that, save that for the knocker section, or do you want me to just go ahead and? Oh, I mean, if it's related to Hayase, I feel like you can mention it here. Okay, so in that scene where she says, "You must be kind like me," hmm? there's a there's a brief moment where the knocker kind of pauses, as almost as if it understood what she said, or it was like contemplating what she just said. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wait, is this thing cognitive? Can it understand human speech? Is something it is something controlling it? Um, but 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 anyway, at that moment, Hayase pulls it out, and then they go their separate ways. Mm. <laughs> but on the boat, when it comes after her, I want I wonder if it took what Hayase said to heart and realizes that instead of going about this whole, you know destroy fushi with with overwhelming power maybe maybe it's gonna use hayase to be stronger be be but but also like smarter mm. and use its i almost said woman <laughs> i mean yes woman appeal but also the the human appeal uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the, the human appeal uh instead a you know a more humane one instead of a um just go and destroy everything all the time i don't know it hmm. It was just, it was just kind of my thought, um, but I, I don't think Hayase is dead. Obviously, I think that arm at the end is clear that, but I, I'm not sure if Hayase is exactly in control. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Because, whenever a, a knocker control or yeah controls a body, a human body, at least from what we've seen, the person dies. Yes. Now it could be that a knocker, consciously, kills the person. Um, they like you know takes control of their brain or whatever, but instead of doing that, for Hayase it just kind of teams up with it. I don't know why or exactly how that works, hmm. but maybe that maybe it was able to somehow strike a or Hayase was able to somehow strike a deal with it, and now she could be even more of a threat. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's yeah. just 
my thoughts going. Yeah, no, I I thought that was really interesting to listen to. Obviously, I won't comment on them, but but definitely interesting speculation. One other thing I want to bring up is I did kind of feel bad for her at the end. Yeah. Because she expresses how much she loves him, and obviously it's toxic, unhealthy, and and mentally unstable. But you know she brings up reasons why she could be so useful to him. And she's, she gets really desperate, you know, don't leave me, you need me. And then, and then Fushi, who has never expressed his hatred towards anybody, really, mm-hmm. except her, says, I hate you. Yeah. And I won't even remember you, or something like that. And she replies, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also really tragic, honestly. Yeah. It- Exactly. It's it, it, instead of instead of her kind of going becoming like really upset or cackling or keep going on and on about how much she loves him, she just says I know. Mm. Like one that that's a really smart decision on Oima's part cuz I, I think it's just it's impactful in a way. Yeah, it is. But I think it shows that she knew what what all she did was wrong. But to her, that was the only way she could show her love, maybe, hmm. or how she felt how she felt she needed to. I, I, it's it's very it's very interesting, and I guess maybe this could be imply that sometimes the chase after immortality and the supernatural, and maybe you know godlike, can drive people insane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, it it left a profound impact on me when I read it, and I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would feel so sorry for her at the end." There. Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. I agree. Yeah, she is. While I hate her as a person, I love her as a character. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Just, just stop licking people, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Fushi. Uh. So, is that all for her? Yeah. Then let's talk about the Beholder for a bit. Fushi doesn't seem to like the Beholder very much at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, he's talking to Tonari sort of about their parents, and he says that he doesn't want to think of the Beholder as a parent to him, even though he did create him. So, I guess, guess if if you view view it that way, he is technically Fushi's Fushi's, uh, parent. but, But Fushi doesn't want to view him that way because he doesn't like him. And I think Tonari ponders in some very interesting ways in that scene. She says that, well, because before, before that she kind of likens a God to a parent. And, Mm -hmm. and when Fushi says that the beholder is not his parent, then Tonari says that, well, if he's not a God, then perhaps he's a devil, Mm -hmm. in which case the knockers could be servants of God. While Fushi might be the creation of a devil which i thought was just really interesting food for thought like i'd have no idea how much water it actually holds but just really interesting to think about (laughs) yeah Uh, that that would be an interesting twist Uh uh-huh but it's just it's hard to believe that the guy who says my garden would be Mm. a devil of sorts but at, at the same time it could be just that one side is more benevolent than the other. Um, yeah. Then we realize. 
but who knows? And I, I going along with that, there there was a moment where Fushi brings that up, <laughs> and the face that the beholder makes. Well, you could also say is just he's just kind of not indifferent, but just kind of blank. But I also took, you know, him thinking, "How dare you bring that devil crap up with me? Like, wh- <laughs> who do you think I am?" Or, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a really interesting conversation they had because, yeah, because as you said, like Fushi asks him like whether or not he's a devil. And his response was interesting, I thought, because he, he tells Fushi that uh, that talk is far removed from us. He says, us. Yeah. Does he mean him and Fushi? I'm not sure. The way it seemed to me was more like us, they refer to potentially others like him, another group of beings right. on his level or whatever you want to say. It seemed that way. Do you remember when, is it volume two, where, yeah, when he first appeared mm. and it's when Fushi and Pyorin are on, a, on an adventure and he asks, or I think, I think the Beholder brings up what their grand purpose is. Yeah. And he says, he says, we have a grand purpose or, or, yes. a, greater, or a greater purpose. Uh-huh. And I, I remember... We were speculating what that could be, and I and I I, I actually re-listened to this on one when I on my runs this past week. Oh yeah, and and I and I said that we could mean not Fushi and him, but maybe other people like him or some right. sort of group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that. This kind of gives potentially some credence to that. However, it yeah. could still be read as him and Fushi. So I'm not going to mm. go 100 percent and say there. You know, there, there's a, a you know a club of hooded figures he's part of uh, but i don't know it, it's it's odd that she still is bringing that kind of stuff up yeah right so. yeah very interesting i love to have him as this kind of constant mystery so far it's very fun to talk about yeah but yeah there's so much we don't know i feel and the last thing i have on the beholder is when he was talking to Pioran at the end he said that he would intercept her soul before she would reach paradise. Mm. I think that's potentially what we saw that we talked about earlier when he, he took this orb in his hand and he kind of absorbed her absorbed her or whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could view that as when while she was in her dream state, while experiencing her youth, in a sense, she may mm-hmm. she may have been on her way to paradise in some sense, but he a- arrived and kind of took her away from there to, as I speculated earlier, possibly bring her back into the real world and kind of place her soul somewhere where she would be eventually useful to Fuji. Um, but but the but I, I don't know. It was just interesting how he worded that he would in- intercept her soul, so that she. Mm-hmm. Like, before she would reach paradise. Which also feels like, as we were talking about earlier regarding how Tonari was speculating, where at in that scene it felt like he was somewhat of, the, on like, the opposite of God or the opposite of paradise things. But, and, and, and this kind of makes me 
or it gives me the same vibe too, the way he worded that. Like I'm gonna bring you off the off the path to paradise, kind of. I don't know. It's just really like who who, who on earth is this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the way I took it is they're currently in the mortal plane of existence, mm. and when souls pass away, they they go up into higher this is the paradise or however this world works mm. and, and i think that because the man in black the beholder is there right now you know he's able to intercept the souls before they go into paradise and i, I don't think it necessarily means that you know he's he's originally from the earth or he's he, he himself can't get to paradise but Maybe, maybe when he says way back when he first came in that someone's in my garden or something like that, you know, Mm. Um, maybe that implies that the earth is his realm, Um, that he, he's not able to go or, or this, this mortal plane is his realm and he's not able to go into other places, but I don't know. Mm. It, I, I don't. For some reason, him being anything but benevolent, and not necessarily not necessarily a god, but somewhat benevolent, kind of feels like contradicts the tone of the first chapter, where it felt very much like an immortal being was beginning a story that was meant for us mortals or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I also feel mostly, like, I'm leading mostly to thinking that he is more good than evil. Mm-hmm. Based on the fact that he has been there for Fushi to help him and to teach him things. And he's actively doing, I guess, what, what he can to give Fushi warnings about the knockers, which aren't just a threat to Fushi, but to humanity as a whole, supposedly. Hmm. So I think mostly he does seem to be a good character. Yeah, that could be a fake out, I guess. <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, excited to see, to see more of him. <laughs> Should be very interesting. He can he can force Fushi to create objects. He He kind of just... I don't know if we've seen that before. Maybe we have, but hmm. he just, you know, pointed his finger or moved his finger and a sword came out of Fushi. So I was like, wow, that's... Uh, oh, wait. He has... Was that his power or was that Fushi just doing that because he said, you'll need a sword and Fushi just created a sword? Because that's how I read it. To me, it looked like he kind of summoned it out of Fushi. Uh. But I I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I never read it that way, but I mean... Maybe, maybe you might be right. The reason the reason why I say is because he kind of, he there's a, there's a a flip sound that he does with his finger, like he motions with his finger, mm. and then it it just seems to like coming out of his hand unnaturally, like out of his wrist, not not from his hand where he probably would usually produce a weapon, um, if he was gonna hold it, and and the way he's looking at it coming out, he's kind of a, there's like a ellipses a dot dot dot, Ooh. like he like he's ah. kind of. Like wait, what yeah. is going on? Or like, like, why, why is this happening? Kind of a, 
thing. Right. But obviously he's like, okay, I need this. So all right. Let's... True. Actually, yeah. Looking at it again now, I I can see I can see that more. I'm a, I think I'm a bit torn on it right now. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And that's, that's... it's so minor though. Like, what does it what does it matter to even bring this up? But that's just what I was thinking. Mm, yeah, it would make sense for him to be able to do that. Uh, first of all, I, I'll say this sword that does emerge from Fushi's wrist is surely a sword that he would have been able to create himself. I don't think, I don't think the Beholder gave him a new item. However, no, no. it's still very possible that he did it. And I think it would make sense given that we've seen him turn Fushi from f- between like transform Fushi from one form to another. Like we've seen him do that before, like from a fruit to a human or from a rock to a wolf. So given the fact that he, we know for a fact that he can do that, then this doesn't seem like too much of a stretch. So yeah, that, that's, that's a really nice observation actually. I, I think that's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So moving on, you've already talked about the knocker a bit i don't know if you have anything more i have a little bit however how about you give your part because i i've basically been the chatterbox this whole time so. i see <laughs> all right uh well first of all i i just want to give a brief little shout out to the zombie knockers i thought that was a really cool little like new disturbing take on the knockers <laughs> very disturbing <laughs> <laughs> uh but but yeah I, did, I just thought they were really cool and but kind of the the, the other more prominent thing i had noted down for the knockers is how back in volume four uh when the knockers had just attacked and gugu was hanging off the cliffside holding on to a knocker vine you know mm-hmm. he was just hanging on the edge the knocker tentacle vine thing it's like briefly pierced gugu's skin like in That's like right. in like his, his armpit area as he was holding on to the vine but it like retracted itself and went back out pretty much immediately. So it just like very, very briefly went in and then just went out pretty much right away. It was just a few very, very kind of small panels. And it was, it, it was kind of, kind of strange. I thought like at first, like with just with that, but having read this book, I feel like maybe that instance when that happened to Gugu might have been when the knockers kind of got the idea of possessing human bodies. That it, the ah. way that it here, perhaps, because we we do know that they they evolve and they learn. So maybe that's yeah. something they kind of got the inspiration from through that brief little experience. Yeah, maybe, and I think that seeing how much people have helped Fushi, I think the knockers realize that okay, people right now are Fushi's greatest strength. Mm. So we need need to use that somehow against him. Ah, yeah, yeah, true. So <laughs> I think that. That's the reasoning behind, um, at least possessing the live bodies. The zombies is probably it was just probably just a smart idea because you have a, like an army of, of dead. I mean, bury your dead people. Like I, look, <laughs> just if it has to be on a pit, so be it. But you don't want zombies coming up, man. No. Like, you know the movies where the zombies like they pop out of the ground. I mean, look, <laughs> a dead body is not gonna be able to pop out of the ground very easily. No. Okay. No, that'll, that'll so, take a while. <laughs> yeah bury your dead or burn them whatever you want <laughs> anyway yeah, sorry yeah. no but true true uh so so yeah i just thought that was an interesting little thing that sort of makes sense now because it didn't really make much sense in volume four like that, that little detail just by itself yeah um uh, so yeah uh do you have anything more on the knockers 
Did Nakar Hayase kill the dude? I mean, I'm assuming it's Nakar Hayase, like, combined in some way, whether the Nakar is controlling it or they're con- together. Did she kill the dude that was supposedly helping her recover? Uh, you know, you uh, know on the taking? beach. You know uh, right. yeah, on yeah, the beach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or did mm. they get uh, frisky? Um, <laughs> no no she's in love with fushi she wouldn't she wouldn't cheat on fushi <laughs> uh, well you know i mean maybe she got rejected there i mean I, or or the knocker is completely in control somehow true yeah, i don't know we, why we... the knocker would want the knocker would all of a sudden be like i want to knock someone up take that out take take that out gives a whole nother like meaning to knocker oh my god oh god that's 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 great no i i, I don't know if that's appropriate <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, yeah, interesting thoughts, I guess, I guess maybe we'll find out potentially in the next one. All right. Although, as we also have talked about, a lot, a lot of time has passed potentially since then, so. That's true. That's guess, true. Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll get some flashbacks to things. I don't know. I'd rather not have a flashback to any sort of friskiness. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have on knockers. All right. Is there any other character or other thing you'd like to bring up before we close off this episode? Yeah, uh, briefly, Nand. I just yeah. I, I wonder if Nand's character will come up again at all. Um, mm. He seems to be. I mean, I guess he wrote Tonati, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, and he was taking care of the the kids. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly where they went. Um, but maybe they'll come back in the story somehow. Mm. But he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. That's all I got. So yeah, we are, as I said at the start of this uh, episode, we are now halfway caught up to as many books as I've read, which means, you know, by volume 12, I will be just as unspoiled as James. And brief little thing about the anime. Sure. As of as of us recording right now, it is 12 episodes in. I think actually the next episode is going to be a recap episode, ah. but it's not part of like the the 20 episodes that it was going to be so it doesn't actually consume one of those slots as far as i've understood it oh it's just 20 episodes not 24 uh, yeah the the whole thing is going to be 20 episodes gotcha. yes but this okay. is an, an added one that they're i guess putting in between episodes 12 and 13 um, that will be a recap episode for the next one however yes as i said 12 episodes in so far gugu died in the most recent episode fantastic anime so far i absolutely love the mm. the you know everything they've done with it it's a perfect adaptation like the pacing is so good and they they don't do like unnecessary filler stuff at the same time they don't Beautiful. they also don't skip things like it's just I, I i legitimately couldn't be happier with it but that's not what i was going to say uh what i was going to say <laughs> is related to the fact that we have now read up to volume six in the manga ever since i learned that there would be an anime adaptation of this uh, of course, I was very excited for it from the beginning because I, I, I've been a very big fan of this manga f- since the very earliest volumes. But mm-hmm. um, I also became pretty pretty confident that they would cover the anime up to the end of volume six was pretty much my speculation from the beginning. And so far, that still seems to hold up. I think that seems pretty... It's still pretty safe to assume that's what they're planning with the anime or with this first season, at, at least, of the anime. Okay. So I, I'm very happy with that. And as I said also at the beginning of this discussion, I, I do think, I, I do kind of view these first six books as 
well, as a, as a bigger thing, as, as one thing in a sense. So I think it's perfect to end the anime first season the way this book ends. I think it, yeah. it, it just does that really well. Like, it, yeah, the, the, these first six books, they're just such, such a good opener to Fuji's story. And it, I, think, I think it also really tied it, tied it all up together really nicely with Hayase coming back. And as I said, also, like, the death of Pior and... Because mm. it, it was really much like it was really a an era kind of like the the Pioran era, <laughs> I guess you could say. Because she was in it from the very first volume. True, um, true. And uh, so it, it does that really well. Kind of ties things up that have been kind of standing from the first volume with Hayase and Pioran. But at the same time, it does leave some cliffhangers like Hayase and the Knocker, as we've been talking about. Like, what's up with that? Mm. And of course, the Beholder is a constant mystery. Um, so of course the story continues, but at the same time I do feel like it's it is a somewhat of a self-contained little little story told in these first six books. Agreed. I I actually when I was rereading this I wondered um, where exactly they would end off in the anime because for a second I thought that maybe the chapter where Fushi gets back to the main island after. Uh, leaving Hayase and then you know the whole knocker thing happens I thought maybe that could be where they end off the anime potentially mm. and then you start up if they have another season which I hope they do yes um, oh, then yes. you would start off the you would start off the next season with pure and her death that could be a good starting point but mm. I I do think as we were talking I, I think you bring up a good point that having Pioran's death end it um, would be a, a strong note to end this story off and kind of be a satisfying, uh, satisfying, uh-huh. it may be, maybe I use that term loosely, uh-huh. Uh-huh. a way to end the, this beginning story. Yeah. I just wonder if they're going to tease that time jump thing. Yeah, um, maybe they will. Maybe, that, maybe that's a good tease to get people to either read the manga or potentially get excited for another season yeah, yeah i i really hope they do like make it a post credit scene just like a mm-hmm. like just a couple seconds really like it doesn't need to be long like it's just one page in the in the anime here or sorry in the manga here um i i, I yeah so like exactly what this volume is i hope they cover uh gotcha throughout the end of the of this anime season personally and and also based on what we see in the opening sequence for the anime. Uh, we, you know, we, we see Tonari, we see her friends, so we know that they're going to be there. And we do actually also see young Pioran on the beach. Oh. In the opening sequence. Okay, then. Well, then, so. yeah, I think that settles it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yes. So, that's, that's funny because, I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen a few of the episodes all the way up to, like, two, two episodes into Gugu's mm-hmm. arc. But... I, I watched the opening when the, the first time it shows up and I, I, I saw things I, I didn't know about. So I immediately covered my eyes and I haven't, oh, yeah. I haven't like seen it since. Smart. So I, I was like, oh crap, it's going to spoil <laughs> stuff. So, okay, well, there you go. I, I think that without a doubt, the pure part's going to be in there then. Yes. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for like a little post credit teaser for that little final page of this volume as well. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a tangent, but you know how some anime or shows will, well, mostly anime, the the credits will 
show characters if it has like a big cast they'll show characters what they're doing uh, when the story ends uh you know that would be great for this one we'd see uh tornati and her helping the village that'd be nice oh yeah we'd see we'd see reen and oh yeah she's uh crying over gugu's grave that's awesome and then we would see perona and her fa- oh wait perona's dead well we'd see martina <laughs> we'd see wouldn't see that either. or maybe they're dead too marsh's parents might be have also... they're probably dead that whole village oh we see the village burnt down yes exactly that would be great <laughs> yeah see see oh man it oh yeah mm. it's great credits that'd be awesome like wait wait a way to end the story <laughs> uh, oh my goodness but hey at least tonari is alive yeah uh-huh. yeah sure uh oh my god okay yes uh i guess i guess that's it i think this is our longest to your eternity discussion so far but i think volume six is worthy of that my bad (laughs) it's a great it's a great volume but i did think i rambled and Eh. went on certain uh, incoherent (laughs) rants it's all good sorry about that no worries no worries i think it's i think it's a good i think it was a a good discussion i had a lot of fun talking about this one so is that i guess that's all for this week i guess so cool then if you enjoy our content you can follow us on twitter at umami manga and if you like this episode please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time where we'll talk about volume seven bye bye see you later think well er, mm. i hope i hope what i said made sense i it did i, I feel like i'm kind of off my game today <laughs> no 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 i know I, I, I don't I, know why i love i love this volume <laughs> no i i thought i thought i thought it made sense it, it i i'm i feel I, i'm like i'm a little bit off my game <laughs> um <laughs>